2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is where we finished on Sunday. And we're just going to pick up. This first part's going to sound repetitive because I felt like it's important to start here in order to go into. Uh, so we sort of get the, maybe like the way the physician Luke wrote the end of Luke and then he wrote the beginning of Acts and he sort of repeated some stuff at the beginning of Acts that he said at the end of Luke. said it slightly differently, but he was repeating himself, right? And so um, I, I just want to pick up here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 14. We are still talking on this scriptural principle that the Lord continues to deal with me about. It is not exhausted. We're not going to exhaust it tonight. And I, I would encourage you and I both to continue digging in the Word and letting the Holy Ghost speak to us by His Word on this subject. In Him we have our being. Everybody say, in Him. Not Him and us. Us in Him. In Him we have our being. Everybody say, being. Being, the word there, and that we read it a Sunday. We're not going to go back there now in Acts 17 when the Apostle Paul told the Athenians, seek him. He's not far from every one of us. Happily, you might find him. He's not far from every one of us. He said, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. That word being is our purpose for existence. Our purpose for existence. That's not just, that's definitely true of the church. But it's true of every individual that walks the face of the earth. Their purpose for existence will only truly be found in Him. You want to know why you and I were put on God's green earth? We got to get in Him to find out why. Our purpose for existing is found in Him. Our purpose for living is found in Him. Our purpose for moving, for acting, for being is in Him. In Him. We have our being. My existence truly comes in Him. This is why I believe that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. How do we have abundant life? Bigger bank accounts, more stuff, bigger houses, fancier. No, 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 no. We have abundant life by abiding in Him. For in Him we live. That's where true life is. I've made this statement before. I'll say it again. You've heard it when we were younger. I used to say it when I was younger. It was a sarcastic comment, right? You've said it maybe. Tell somebody, get a life. I need to get a life. For the church to have life, we must be in Him. In Him. It's not enough for Him to be in us. That's the beginning. We must be in Him. Okay? So that's the foundation. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, we read it. For the love of Christ constraineth us. That's what motivates us. That's what moves us. It's the love of God. It's not pharisaical law. It's not fear. It's not... Religiosity, it's the love of Christ that constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. 
and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. I'm going to leave that verse up there for a minute. But to him which died for them and rose again. Paul is saying, I identify with the love of Christ. How? Greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for a friend. So identify that he died for me, and I, I receive and acknowledge and recognize it was the love of God that did that to me. I was destined to die in my sin. But love moved him. He could have came off the cross, but love kept him nailed. To, it wasn't the nails that kept him there, you understand. It was love that kept him on the cross. And because of his love, it constrains me that I'll no longer live for myself. I'm going to live for him who gave himself for me. It's the love of God that motivates me to live for him. If there's any other motivator to live for him other than the love of God, he needs to continue to work in mine in your life. So our motive in living for him is pure. It's the love of God that motivates me. That makes sense. I like it when my kids do things for me just because. You know why? Because I know they did it from a place of love. Doesn't that just make your heart feel all warm and fuzzy when that happens? Like, oh, it's just one of those heart melt moments. You didn't tell them, you didn't ask them, they just did it and you knew. That came from a place of love. How much more? This is what Paul is describing between a father and a child. It's the love of Christ that constrains me. That I'll no longer live for myself. I'll live for him who gave his life for me. All right? Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, verse 17, if any man be in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. There it is. He is a new creature. I said it Sunday, but I'm, again, we're sort of building. Now we're getting ready to shift gears. It doesn't say if any man has Christ in him, he's a new creature. We've often taught that or at least implied that. That should be the beginning of becoming new. That's why you're born again when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But Paul said it this way, we should grow up. Anybody finish that verse? Into him. We grow up into Christ. We grow up into the fullness and stature of Christ. So Christ in us is the hope of glory. But us in him, we become a new creature. Someone who is filled with the Holy Ghost but doesn't allow the Holy Ghost to lead us into abiding in him has stunted growth. Why is it someone can receive the Holy Ghost and then after a while they just feel sort of stale and stagnant? It's like, I don't know. what's you know. I'll tell you what happened. The Holy Ghost got in them, but they never got in him. We live in him. We are a new creation in Christ. Is 
Some of you don't believe that yet, but don't worry. I'm going to give you more of the Bible. You're going to see it in the Word. All right. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All right. Philippians chapter 3. If it makes you feel any better, we're not going to go any further than Philippians chapter 3 tonight. Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 7. Watch. This is going to be familiar scripture to some of us. Philippians 3 and 7, the Apostle Paul speaking. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Everybody say loss. Loss. Verse 7 or verse 8. Yes, doubtless or without a doubt. I count all things but loss. Everybody say loss. But loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss. Everybody say loss. Notice a pattern here. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I do count them but dung. That I may win Christ. Notice, pause right there for a minute at the end of verse 8. I know there's a comma, but we'll come back. Paul said, things, things that were gained to me, I counted those things as loss for Christ. What was he saying? Nothing wrong with having things. The challenge is things can have us. And when things have us, it's a loss for Christ. Right? We read in the scripture of the parable of the sower and seeds sown among ground with thorns. The thorns choked out the word, right? The word was meant to produce 30, 60, some 100 fold. But where there were thorns, it choked out that reproductive ability of the word of God. What were the thorns? The thorns were the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the pursuit of earthly things. Those were thorns that choked out the productive ability of the Word of God. Paul said, things that were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. He, he wasn't saying there was anything wrong with having things. He just understood, if I'm pursuing things, it's at the cost of my relationship with Christ. Loss for Christ. And he says, I would count all things lost. What he's saying there is I would gladly lose everything in order to have the excellency that is knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. If I can know Him, in order to know Him, I'll lose everything. because it. And he said, yea, and I have lost all things. Not only did he declare it, he lived it. He said, I've lost everything. And everything I've lost, I count it as dung because I know Him. 
And to know Him supersedes the value of all things. Not know Him in head knowledge, but to experientially know Him. To have a relationship with Him. To be known of Him and for Him to know me. Everything else is nothing to me. I'd lose it all. Paul's declared aim, his understood focus of God's revealed purpose in all this loss was knowing Jesus Christ. Truly knowing. He declared it in verse 8. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And he went on to say the second part of that. That I may win Christ. He didn't stop there. And notice verse 9. Watch this. So we're getting to verse 9. And what? And what? Be found where? In Him. All of this loss isn't just about knowing Him. And, verse 8 finishes with a comma. Verse 9 starts with and. I want to be found. And when he finds me, I want to be found in him. And I want to be found in him. What does it mean to be found in him? Specifically, he now defines being found in him. Specifically, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. But that, now hold on, we're going to pause right there. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Not that which I have produced by my own works, or my own doing, or my own actions, or my own performance, or my own earning, but I'm found in Him. And the righteousness that I have, I'm not questioning. You understand righteousness is right standing with God. Right relationship with God. I'm not questioning my relationship because I'm found in Him. I'm found in Him. There's no question about my relationship with Him. I'm in Him. How did that happen? I was willing to lose everything. To know Him and be found in Him. You understand when you and I are found in Him, condemnation can take no hold. Because I know my righteousness is not a result of my actions. It's a result of Him. Paul said, I'll lose everything. My purpose for loss is to be found in Him. Watch. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. But that, that righteousness, that's implied. But that righteousness, which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness, which is of God by Faith. Here's what Paul's declaring. When I'm found in him, my being, my purpose for existence is in him. I now know I'm in right relationship with him. But here's the thing. The righteousness which I have. It's of God by faith. It's through the faith of Christ. It's not even my own faith. 
When I'm in Him, His faith operates through me. This is the same thing. This is the same principle that Paul was describing to the church at Galatians in Galatians 2 and 20. When he said, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't even live by my own faith anymore. This is the same principle that Paul is declaring to the church at Philippi. If I lose everything, but I'm found in Him, and I know Him, I have righteousness that comes through faith. It's not even my own faith. I have faith from God. It's God's faith operating. I don't question my standing with God. I don't question my relationship with God, because the faith for it comes through Christ. It's faith by God. The faith of God. This is why I want to be found in Him. In Him. Hear me. Paul, you got to understand where he's coming from. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee touching the law. Perfect. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, he went down his pedigree. He was all that. That was earlier in chapter 3. We didn't read it. He went down all of his pedigree. And then he said, I want to be found in him not having Why would he say that? Because he had lived his life in his own righteousness. And he realized his own righteousness gave him no knowledge and relationship with God. And that's why he's, you understand the passionate declaration he's making here. He's making of a man who had lived much of his life trying to pursue righteousness in his own faith. Righteousness in his own doing, in his own pursuit. That's why he said, not the right, mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Do you know how frustrating that can be to try to pursue righteousness in mine and your own ability? You never measure up. You never feel good enough. It always seems like it's not enough. I just seem like no matter what I do. And you know how I know I'm trying to do it in my own righteousness? I keep looking for more to do. How can I perform better? How can I do more? How can I do more actions to prove myself that I deserve His righteousness so that I put myself in right relationship with God? You can't. What you got to be willing to do is lose things. To know him. And to be found in him. No longer having my own righteousness. I'm not interested in my own righteousness. The writer declared it's his filthy rags. But his righteousness that comes through the faith of Christ operating in me when I'm found in Him. His righteousness, which is of God by faith. Paul said, that's what I want. That's the purpose of all this loss. I get in right relationship with God because I'm found in Him. But he doesn't stop there. Watch. Verse 10. That I may know Him. I want you to watch in verse 10. He gives us four things talking about the loss and the privilege and what comes from being found in him. Our being, our purpose for existence. Four things in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Number one, 
I want to know him. I want to know him. Again, not just like I know who. Right? But I know him. We have a relationship. He knows me. I know him. I call him friend. He calls me friend. He's my God, my Lord, my master, my savior, my redeemer, my healer, my deliverer, my provider. My I know him. Through experience. I know him. And understand the way the scripture is written. That knowing, that knowledge of is implied in the other three statements here. Or the other, at least the next two. I know the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. And Paul is not saying... I want to know, oh yeah, he had the power to raise himself. He's saying, I want to have the experiential knowledge of the power that raised him from the dead operating in my life to where I know the power of the resurrection because I'm in him. And in him, I experience the power of his resurrection. And I know, but he didn't stop. I know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know these things. I want to be made conformable to his death. Now we read that and go, man, loss, loss, loss. Fellowship of suffering, conforming to death. Why is Paul wanting all this? I'll tell you why. Because he understood the revealed purpose of God in all of this. It was to be found in him. And that becomes the place where our purpose for living is. He knew if I can be found in Him, I find my purpose for existing. If I can be found in Him, I find what it is to truly have righteousness that's not of my own production. I no longer live under condemnation. I no longer live questioning my relationship with God. I'm found in Him. I know the power of His resurrection because it operates through my life because I'm found in Him. When I'm going through suffering, I have peace in the midst of the trial because I'm found in Him. Life's worth living no matter what I'm going through because I'm in Him. And in Him we live and move and have our being. You understand it was the Apostle Paul that made that statement in Acts 17. And that's what he was pursuing. My purpose for existing. You understand this is a man who lived much of his life thinking he knew his purpose for existing. He thought he was doing the will and the work of God when he was persecuting the church. He was sure that was his purpose for existing. But until he was filled with the Holy Ghost, the blindness was removed from his eyes, and he was found in Him. He came to realize, I'll know my purpose for existing, and the only way is to be in Him. In Him, we live, we move, we have our being. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you'll abide in me and my words abide in you, then you'll ask what you will. And it shall be given in him.
Now watch. Verse 11. Here's what's interesting if you slow down and read these verses. In verse 11, we get the why to verses 7 through 10 that we just read. Why is he willing to suffer the loss of all things? Why does he want to be found in him? Why is he wanting the power of the resurrection? If. Everybody say if. This is the why for all of that. If. By what? By what? Any means. We got to hear the word of the Lord tonight. If by any means. Paul's declaring, Brother Lewis, I'll lose everything to know him, to be found in him. I want the power of his resurrection. I want the fellowship of his suffering. All of that. I'll do it anything. I will be made conformable if by any means, any way necessary, whatever it takes, I just want to attain to the resurrection. He understood the principle that he wrote about. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, the despising, the shame. Set down. Right. What was the joy set before him? The resurrection. The resurrection. It's the reason the Apostle Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. His eye wasn't fixed. On the temporary circumstances of this temporal life on this earth. He said, if by any means I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Why am I willing to live and suffer loss? Why do I want to be found in Him? Because I know this body is temporal. And if, it, if He doesn't return in my lifetime, it's going to go to an earthly grave. But I'm going to attain to a resurrection where one day when the trumpet sounds, that spirit that's in me will quicken this mortal body. And it will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruptible. And so if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He had a glimpse. He understood the why. Paul's declared aim, his understood focus of God's revealed purpose was to attain resurrection. Why do we preach the gospel because we're preaching the truth of the Word of God. That there is a resurrection beyond this life. There is a resurrection. There is life after the grave. There is life beyond this veil of tears. There is something worth living for. And in this life it's worth dying for. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection in Him and only in Him do we live and move and have our purpose for existence. In Him. I want to be found in Him. I want to be found in Him. I want to abide in Him. I want to live in Him. I'm not content just for Him to live in me. I'm pursuing what it is to live in Him.
Watch what Paul says. He gives us some understanding in these next few verses. Verse 12. Watch. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect or complete. But I follow after. Or I continue to pursue. Why? If. There's that word again. If. If that I may apprehend or lay hold of that for which also I am apprehended. Can I tell you how I read this scripture? In plain English, here's what I hear Paul saying. I haven't already attained all these things I'm writing to you about. I haven't already been completed in all this. But I'm still pursuing it. I follow after it. Why? I'm trying to lay hold of what's laid hold of me. The Holy Ghost, he filled me with his spirit. It got a hold of me. I'm now trying to lay hold of what got a hold of me. He's found in me. Now I'm trying to be found in him. He was willing to come and make his abode in me. I'm trying to make my abode in him. He's got hold of my life. I'm trying to grasp hold of his. He's given me life. I'm trying to put my life back in him. He's caused me to live. I'm trying to make him my living. Paul said, I haven't attained it yet, but I'm following after. I'm pursuing it. I'm walking after it. Every day I'm pursuing it. If by any means I might attain. I'm trying to lay hold of that which has got a hold of me. Verse 13, he reiterates, brethren, it's like he's trying to, he, he's not just repeating himself to repeat himself. He's doing like we all do sometimes to get a point across. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I'm not telling you this like I've already done it. But there's one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. One thing. Aren't you glad that everything we've been talking about tonight comes down to one thing? That's what he said. Now, either Paul can't count, or what we would count as multiple things is really only one thing. And I'm going to say it's the latter. So, what does that tell me? If what we might count as multiple things is only one thing, then one is not complete without the other, and each part is dependent upon the other. That's why Paul said, one thing I do. Now remember, this is the man that said, I want to be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Not having mine own righteousness, which is a result of my doing. 
But he said, there's one thing I do. I'm finishing. One thing I do. For what? What's, what's the reason he does the one thing? To be found in him. To attain to the resurrection. To apprehend that which is apprehended him. He does one thing. Aren't you thankful that he put that one thing down for us to know? This one thing I do. Watch. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Where is it? Where's that? It's in Christ. It's in Him. So here's the one thing. You want to be found in Him? I do. You and I can't be found in Him without doing also the one thing. We have to forget the things which are behind. Would you stand with me tonight? Hear me. You're going, man, I'm trying, but it seems like I, Paul said there's one thing. It starts with forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. I don't care if behind means 10 minutes before service. I don't care if behind means 10 days ago, 10 weeks ago, 10 months ago, 10 years ago. Forgetting those things which are behind. You and I cannot be found in Him as long as I hold on to what's behind. Paul said, one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind and I reach. That speaks of a personal exertion. An individual effort. I reach to those things that are before me. One thing. Here's the challenge. Remember, we're talking about in Him we have our being. The reason some of you struggle with your purpose for existence in the Lord is because you're trying to reach to those things that are before you. But you're not forgetting those things that are behind. And so you're And you're caught in between. You're trying to reach. Your heart wants to reach to what's before you. But you're holding on to what's behind. Paul said, there's one thing I do. Forgetting those things that are behind. 
I reach and I press. Hear me. You cannot reach and press as long as you hold on to what's behind. You must forget what's behind. You can't do that in your own effort and ability. It comes by the work of the Spirit of God, the grace of God, the blood of Jesus Christ. You can forget that which is behind. I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. It's under the blood. I've repented. I've forgiven. I've left it at the foot of the cross. I'm forgetting. I'm not giving my thoughts to it any longer. I'm not giving time, energy, effort, attention. I'm reaching forward. I would to God tonight that some of you would determine in your spirit, I'm reaching forward. I'm forgetting and I'm reaching forward. You can be found in Him. But there's one thing you must do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching to those things which are before. And pressing toward the prize for the prize of the high calling of God. That's in Christ Jesus. It's in Him. It's in Him. It's not in a bigger bank account. It's not in a fancier house. It's not in a better job. It's not in a change of scenery. It's not in a different environment. It's not in a different relationship. It's in Him. And you've looked in all those things. You've looked in all those places. Some of you here tonight have contemplated looking in those places. It's in Him. Your purpose for existence is in Him. I'm opening this altar to you. There is a beckoning of the Spirit. And there is an empowerment of the Holy Ghost that's going to come to you. To forget those things which are behind. And to reach to those things which are before. And to press toward the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, forgetting what's behind may sound like a prayer of repentance or forgiveness for some of you. For some, it's just simply a declaration. God, by your grace, I'm going to stop dwelling in the past. God, by your grace, I'm going to stop dwelling in that place in my thoughts. When it comes, I'm going to release it. I release it to you, Lord. It's under the blood. I'm not going to keep living there in my thoughts. When it comes, I'm going to release it. If I have to do it 20 times a day, I'm going to release it again, Lord. I'm forgetting those things which are behind one thing I do, one thing I do, one thing I do. You understand they are interdependent for you to reach forth, for you to press toward the mark. You must forget what is behind. Come on, you can be found in Him. You can be found in Him. His righteousness is pure, His righteousness is sure, His righteousness is certain. It comes from being found in Him.